0: Alright, alright. Welcome again to another episode of the Audacity of This Guy podcast. I am your host, Dom Waters. And let me tell you, we are on fire this year in 2021. I am interviewing some of the most amazing individuals that I personally know. Uh, And it's just uh, a blessing to be in the presence of my guy today, Mr. Antoine Chambers. He is the Founder and owner of Coed, uh, It is a sporting clothing brand. Uh, it is phenomenal. I don't have all my stuff today because, of course, I have to rock my own, but I definitely got some of his uh, garment. It is, it is phenomenal. And he is also part owner of Wise Men Productions, okay? He is the executive producer. I had to make sure I get that right because I was saying another title, but he is the executive producer for that company. And he is just a phenomenal Man, a phenomenal uh brother, son. He is just all that. And I want to turn it over to you, Antoine. Go ahead and introduce yourself, buddy.
1: I well, wanna first man <laughs> give it back to Dom, man, because y'all can't see behind the scenes and all, but he got a, a official, official setup. And um and I remember having a conversation about it. So just to see it, um, you know, I'm I'm kinda thrown I'm kinda thrown back, man, just looking at what you got. This is nice. So um, yeah, I'm Antoine Chambers, I love all the accolades he just bestowed upon me, that was nice, but um, you know, I'm a regular guy, man, that's, that's me, I'm the regular guy.
0: It, listen, he's a very humble individual, but I'm going to be bragging about him, I mean, because the guy, um, all-state athlete, uh, college grad, uh, multi-business owner, Like, he's done some phenomenal, phenomenal things. And we're definitely going to get into that uh, in this conversation today because he's a a definite representation of black excellence. Uh, I cannot say enough about this guy. And what I hope to get out of this interview today is that he's able to pour into you and you learn something from him and you can become just as uh, phenomenal as anybody else that we've met. But. We're going to start off with you, Mr. Chambers. Uh, Definitely want to start off with your childhood. Let's go. You know, where did you grow up at? You know, how was
1: growing up and what did you do? So I grew up in this wonderful, beautiful place called Pumphrey, right? Um, A lot of people may not have heard of it, but at the same time, there's a nice significant amount of people who know about this gym this gem of a place called Pumphrey. It's right outside of the city limits. It's uh, it has it, it. actually has a Baltimore city zip code, but it's right outside of Brooklyn, um, and in between Linthicum. So in between Brooklyn and lenticum that's where Pumphrey resides. And um, it's just a it's an all black neighborhood, man. It's a beautiful neighborhood. It's really one of those communities that um you hear about or you see. It's 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 not a hood. It's not a. I mean, it is a neighborhood in the sense that you have neighbors. But this is a community, and um, out here, uh, in in Pumphrey, everybody uh, that you know, everybody that you grew up with, everybody that lives on in the neighborhood knows everybody in your family. So you can't go nowhere in the community without being seen can't mess up because it's going to get back to somebody in your family or your actual household it's just one of those places where everybody the lady down the street can discipline you you know it it was just (laughs) one of those things my grandfather was known for giving people beatings in the neighborhood so you know it's just that kind of place and that's where i grew up and so i grew up with those kind of values i grew up with really like um loving your neighbor i really grew up around love um Knowing like knowing better, doing right. You know, you got people who cut up, but there was a sense of um, family, and 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 you really had to, you really couldn't just cut up too much because everybody, all eyes was on you. So it was a beautiful place I grew up in, man. I love it to death. Everybody who from Pumphrey loves it. Everybody who had got a taste of coming through Pumphrey or being from Pumphrey know exactly what I'm saying.
0: And so you said your grandfather and everybody else uh, gave out beatings in the neighborhood. So you always had to mind your, your P's and Q's. You had to be on point because you didn't want Miss Johnson up the street to catch you and come back and tell them because you knew you was going to deal with your household when you came back.
1: That's how it went down. Like, you know, you, you, you kids and you do what you do. But if you messed up, you, it was going to get back home and, live, you know, you just didn't want to have have Big Norton. <laughs> That's what they call my grandpa Big Norton Anyone Big Norton to find out That you was up the street doing this Or, or got in trouble doing that And it was just, nah So, <laughs> so you know, you, you did your thing in the neighborhood You had your fun, you scrapped But, you know, you you kind of knew how to Mind your business, you knew how to not get caught You knew how to, you know, cover your your footsteps If you was actually out there Doing something you weren't supposed to And it, But at the same time, it, it was just love So, you know It's just, you kind of learn how to move and how to operate, uh, knowing that somebody watching you. And that's in life, you know, it's always somebody watching you. So you kinda knew how to move, you know, have your fun and do your thing, but not do so much that you that you get caught up and you get in trouble. So we, we learned that early out here. Sure. Okay. So you grew up
0: and you grew up with your mom. You didn't have your dad Talk about how growing up in a single parent, it wasn't really a single parent because you definitely had other members of your family to step up. But talk about what it's like growing up without your dad in the household. How was that for you coming up?
1: Um, it was a little different. Um, you know, kind of that's all I really knew. Um, so it wasn't like I felt disadvantage like I had this di- big disadvantage until I got a little older where I started playing sports and or you know hanging with my buddies and i go over their house and their dad was in the house or their dad was taking us to a game or their dad was taking us to a park you know um living i lived with my grandparents and so i kind of was like the hybrid child in that house because i was the first grandchild in the house my mother was the oldest so i lived with her siblings and her parents and so i kind of was like the hybrid child because I, I was kind of like a child my the baby of the family was my uncle Zorby. he was like i think Zorbs eight years older than me but we shared the room so i kind of grew up with him being like my big brother even though he hate when i say that because he is my uncle but um but i kind of grew up like i call it the hybrid child and um but like i say i didn't really Realize or understand that until I started playing sports and I seen my my friends' fathers at their games and things like that. Like my grandfather, he worked. That's what he did. He owned the barbershop. He was at the barbershop. He didn't come to my games or nothing like that. So my mother came to my games, which was, was cool whenever she could, get off work and stuff. But it, it, I definitely got to notice the difference of seeing my friends and most of my friends, pretty much almost all of my friends, it seemed like at the time, their dads were at their games, so that was a little thing. But you know, y- you know, you get over it. And um, but my, but like I say, but my dad not being there, um, didn't really affect me in a way where I felt like I was. I didn't, I didn't have something I was missing. In that kind of regard, if you get what I'm saying. Now, my because I had my grandfather. My grandfather was. The father figure of the house because like i said i was like one of the kids and he was the man of the house so everybody fell in line he was the captain colonel uh general of the house and he literally that's what he was like he was the, the authoritarian of the house and everybody listen, everybody was scared out
0: so everything went through big norton absolutely <laughs> absolutely through the whole neighborhood
1: he was respected throughout the neighborhood big norton you ain't play with big Norton. <laughs>
0: And so, um, so that must have been, a, like you say, so you grew up with your aunts and uncles and your grandparents. So not lacking in, in any department as far as love, because that's what you grew up with your entire family. How was that dynamic? Because you spoke on just being like the hybrid child, almost like, you know, I'm the first grandson, but I'm also like a son at the same time. How was that dynamic growing up? What what kind of values do you think it bestowed upon you? Because you had at that point you had older parents uh really, you know, pitching in to helping out, especially when your mom was working.
1: So, um, like you say, out Pumphrey, like this is a neighborhood of families. So we are a big family out here. And my family I have I have uh my grandmother has sisters uh that live in the neighborhood. Um uncles so i have great uncles great great aunts who live in the neighborhood plus my aunt who's living in the neighborhood you know so when i say i had an extension of a family out here like i got cousins who grew up um you know shout out to my cousin bb that she grew up like my sister like we literally was together almost every day because if my grandmother wasn't watching this my great grandmother was watching us Right. You know, so I'm one of those kids that grew up with your great grandmother watching y'all. You know. So I just had a ton of family looking after me, looking over. That's why I say you couldn't really do nothing. If you got into anything, you had a whole bunch of family who had your back. But in this neighborhood, you got a whole bunch of families who got a bunch of family too. So it was it was always like if and, and then the families was like love. So it's like anytime it was an issue, it was like you got the neighborhood behind you <laughs> it was just because, <laughs> like my partner um with Wiseman production he he's part of a family that's the marcuses and the keyses and they they got extensions and all of this stuff but um my great aunt who um runs a barbershop out out pomfrey is his aunt's um best friend they best friends so it's like there's always some kind of connection out here when you when you live in Pumphrey when you're from Pumphrey. But, um, but that's what it was, man. I always had family looking out for me. Always.
0: So family, uh, historically black and wonderful community that you were raised in. So that was really a lot of values and morals bestowed upon you. So that was, that's really, I, I really haven't yet to heard that dynamic from anybody. You know, most of my friends are from Baltimore City and from the inner city. So to hear that from you is definitely different. So I, I really admire that. Um, and I got to know. Your grandparents, uh, your mom, and your your brother slash uncle. Mm-hmm. Please don't kill me, Zul. I know you. <laughs> I <don't like> <laughs> don't, you definitely one. that's uncle. That's big uncle. When I see him, I definitely call him uncle. <laughs> so, um, but so you went to school out here as well, right? Yes. So, what kind of schools did you go to out here? What were the? Because of course you're going to school with family, friends, and more family and friends. How
1: was that? So, um, now that I'm older, man, I really see how, what a blessing my family was. You don't know that growing up. But um, growing up, my grandmother's an educator. She taught in Baltimore City. I think she taught at uh, school 27, Commodore John Riders over there, elementary school on the east side.
0: Uh, that's on, I want to say Fayette and, I don't want to get the you. No, Orleans. It's off of Orleans. Yeah. It's off of Orleans.
1: So, you know, um, I had educator in my house but to be even more specific she had a, um, a a preschool she had a preschool called huggy bear and so all the neighborhood ki- i can say all the neighborhood kids because you had to pay for the preschool so some of the neighborhood kids um would go to the preschool a lot of us went to the preschool of course i went because this was my grandmother preschool and it was called huggy bear and um so that's that's how i got my start and out the gate, of course, I don't want to say I was a smart kid, but I was a pretty smart kid. And, you know, I had my grandmother there to help and, you know, just always doing. I had all kind of booklets and things to write with. So um, the story is, I hate this, but the story was I couldn't come until I got potty trained. Because maybe I guess I was late to potty trained. So I was like three and they was like, he can't come until he get potty trained. And so my mother was my grandma was like, Jody, I'm telling you, he can't come. So I had to get potty trained. So once I got potty trained, I was able to go to Huggy Bear. And um so it's a it's a lot of us out here that went to Huggy Bear and from Huggy Bear we got, I'm telling you, it's a the success rate through going through college and and, the, and the different careers, it's a lot of it's a lot of um really sharp people who graduated from that program. And and me and my grandma, we talked. We got to get something like a reunion because a lot of people um, really did well getting a start from Huggy Bear. But so I went to Huggy Bear. I went to Brooklyn Park Elementary School, which is the neighborhood school here. I went to Brooklyn Park Elementary School for kindergarten. And my mother said I was hanging with my friends. I was getting into too much stuff. And she said the last thing she wanted was me to get a, a record of misbehaving um, early in school. So the next year she took me out of there and I went to Granite Baptist Church School in Glen Burnie. So I went, I got sent <laughs> to a, a church <laughs> school and I was there for like four or five years. I didn't come back. I think I was begging my mother often to bring me back to public school. But um, I came back in the fifth grade, I think of fifth or sixth grade. And, um, and that's when I came back. But by then... So it was a couple of us that went to Granite Baptist Church School, too. So my actual, my partner, he went there, too. He went there for, like, I think one or two years. He left before I went. So at, at one point, me and Bibi was, like, the only two left. It was, like, five of us that went there. And me and Bibi were the, the last of the Mohicans. We we did, like, five years, and I think the other ones did, like, two or three. So when I finally came back to public school, you know, um it really was a breeze ever since then. Like I breezed through school when I got back to public school. Um, I think by the time I got to middle school, my teacher was like, Um, I need to speak with your mom. And, my, and she talked to my mom and was like, he really um, doesn't pay attention that much in class. <laughs> but when I give him tests, he aces the test. So I don't think this is com- um, competitive enough for him. So I think we should be putting him in like, Pre-algebra, or something, and I was thinking I was in like sixth, or seventh grade. So I kind of got bumped up in my math. And by the time I got to high school, I was in like honors classes in science and math. And um, and so I like that part was was easy for me. And I don't know if it was because I got a good start in the private school, but I breezed through school after that. And um, and uh, yeah. So, so I mean, let's. I want to go back and talk
0: about just the Advantages that or the the cons let's do the pros and the cons of your mom taking you out of the fun school basically because you were definitely having fun and putting you into a more rigorous and strict uh church school uh Christian school uh that that led to you having so much success later on. With, what did you like? Of course, you went like, nah, I didn't want to go, but what was that dynamic like going there? Because I'm pretty sure, was it a lot of black people there?
1: Absolutely not. I was the only black kid, and I was only black. Guy in my class, the uh, I'm sorry. My first year was this. I remember his name because he was only black kid. His name was Teddy. It was one black kid named Teddy. My first year in first grade, and then after that, it was just um, me and this girl Lisa, and uh, it was a black girl. Her name was Lisa. Lisa Bright. I do. I remember this stuff because it was <laughs> only yesterday, right? And um and I think it was like maybe like four black kids in the whole school. Me, BB, Lisa, and it was like another kid, but he was older. Right. And um. That was it, so I learned there that um, there is there is a perceived difference between black and white mm-hmm. because um when things would would happen, like they would always want to know if I did it and um and I just remember getting blamed for stuff. I remember times where like the other kids the other white kids was like, no he didn't do it and they was like you sure like but when you're a child you don't know that that's wrong but that was what was going on and so it but it wasn't like bad you know what i mean because i did get into some things but you know it was like assumed that i was in everything <laughs> but um but uh you know it it was cool because like the whole thing like so i i got to say that even that probably played played a part into like what I'm doing now in athletic apparel and designing and fashion, um, going to a private school, you didn't we didn't wear uniforms, but the uniform was you had to wear slacks. You couldn't wear jeans. You couldn't wear shorts. You had to wear um, slacks or pants with a belt, with belt buckles, right? Um, and you had to wear a shirt. You couldn't wear T-shirts. Your shirt had to have at least two or three buttons, or it could be all the down, but it had to have at least two buttons. And yeah, all your shirts had to have a collar, right? So that's how I grew up. I grew up going to school wearing shirts with collars and pants with belts, and you know that was my everyday. That was my everyday thing. So I got used to not dressing like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so um, by the time I got back to school, my grandfather was strict. So my grandfather still was. You can't wear shorts to school. And you can't wear, but you couldn't wear shorts to school, and you couldn't wear T-shirts to school. Right? Wow. So by the time I was in, like, sixth grade, I was sneaking some stuff to school. <laughs> and then by the time I was, I want to say, late late middle school, he kind of, like, backed off. I was a little older by then. But, like, when I first, like, in fifth grade, when I first came back to, like, uh, public school, nah. Can't wear shorts. Can, I mean, it was just, like. What are you doing? I'm back in public school. so. But what it did, though, it allowed me to be comfortable wearing different stuff than everybody else. And then I kind of had my own style by the time I got to, like, ninth, tenth grade. And when I started getting a job and doing my own thing, I kind of was cool with looking like I wanted to look. And I had kind of a preppy, I called it urban skater prep. This is what I call my little style, urban skater prep. And this was before Lil Wayne was wearing skater stuff. This was before... It was cool to wear uh, Abercrombie and Fitch and, and, and britches and all that stuff. I was wearing all of this stuff. Be- one, I went to school with the white boys and stuff that was wearing that stuff. And when they were wearing some stuff, I was like, that's slick. I, I'm going to tweak it like this. And I, when I got my little job, that's when I started buying that stuff. And then everybody said, well, where you get that? And, and everybody uptown was asking, what's that? And Where you get this? So I really believe I, I created a lot of the styles and the looks. People laugh when I say it, but. I promise you nobody was wearing the stuff that I was wearing. Everybody was Polo and Nautica and, and you know <laughs> what I'm saying? And I'm out there with britches and Eddie Bell and, and 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 Abercrombie and Fitch. Right. Black people wasn't doing that back then. I promise you. <laughs> I promise. You. I, promise you. I had everybody asking me what that was.
0: Mm. All right, so it became a um uh, Mr. Fashion Nova sort of kind of by the time we got to high school. So What's uh,
1: these right here down? That you got on? Yeah, you never even heard of them, have you?
0: No, nah, I never heard of those.
1: Exactly. I'm still doing. I still wear stuff that ain't nobody heard of. I do my own thing.
0: I definitely tell you that. You definitely do your own thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, you know.
0: Came it stems from that. <laughs> so <laughs> So you get to high school and like you said, so you after you came back to public school, you pretty much stayed in the neighborhood schools. You end up going uh, to a, a great high school down the street, North County High. Mm-hmm. and that's when you really accelerated in athletics. What was your sport, and what position did you play?
1: So I excelled in sports before then. I excelled in sports oh. ever since I was, I think, I was always the, one of the neighborhood guys that could play ball, right? But I guess out the gate, I was always the fast kid. I was the kid that was fast. And so, you know, we would play throw-up tackle in the neighborhood, before I played football, I was playing baseball. So baseball was like the first sport that we all kind of played. We played basketball, but I think baseball was the first sport that everybody played. And um, and so I was pretty good in baseball. And, of course, I was fast. So, you know, once I got a hit, most of the time I was rounding that thing around. You know, I was trying to bring it home on a base hit. I'm trying to score. So, you know, and and... When you when you seven eight nine years old you really not that coordinated where you you know you picking the ball up and you throwing it the first so I would always get at least a double <laughs> off of every hit you know what I mean but if they if they went through their legs or something you best believe they was, come on I was bringing it home so baseball was like my first sport um, um, basketball was something we we played in the neighborhood and um, and football was just the thing that I was just Naturally good at because i was fast i had moves and we playing at the neighborhood and couldn't nobody tackle me or catch me so um my buddies uh again i refer to my partner a lot because we had we got a lot of history him and another guy reese these were the two guys in the neighborhood that were really good at football that was my age but they were playing like real football they played with equipment you know and um and so because their dads were coaches and stuff like that now remember my dad wasn't around So, you know, I would just see them going to football practice and I would see them in their stuff and it just looked so cool. And uh, I remember one day I got a chance to go over to the field. They were playing for Andover Apaches. I got a chance to go over to the field and I saw them play a game. I fell in love. That was it. I fell in love. When I saw them getting tackled and running and hitting, I said, that's what I want to do. (laughs) <laughs> I begged my mother. I begged my mother. She wouldn't she didn't want me to play. She cuz she thought I was too small. She did not want me to play, but I begged and begged and begged and she let me play the next year. I think I was 9 years old. That's all she wrote. I think I scored like I don't know. 3 I I scored a touchdown every game. I think one game I scored like six touchdowns they stopped giving me the ball. <laughs> but um, but I just I was I was a football player ever since then and um you know
0: did they have those type of rules back then? Like I know my nephew when he was playing, they they have it so if there's a kid on your team that's really like dominating the game, like like you said you had six touchdowns and it's so it's like, you know, 36 to nothing or 30, you know, 40 to nothing. Like do they did they take you out like so that the other teams can, be, can compete or They don't have to. It wasn't. It wasn't like it is like now. It was mandatory. Like back then, was it mandatory? Or you you could you could, you could have stayed in if you if they if your coach wanted to.
1: No, you can run the score up. I think at a certain point, I think it's like after like forty five to nothing or something like that, they call the game. it's like is is one score. I think is a score where the the coach can like be like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> that's enough yeah, of yeah, us. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> but um, I think we had teams that do that before. We were just kicking that it, but like, that's enough. But um. Yeah, so, but it wasn't no like rule like you got to stop giving them the ball and stuff like that. Nah, it was just he yeah, was if you were that good. That's what it was. You were that good. So
0: what position were you playing? Cause you said you you ran up the score. So were you um, split was, back tailback?
1: Yeah, I was a tailback, and um and I played safety.
0: So could you hit, or you they just played safety because you were just quick?
1: Well, I got I got tape. So if you ever wanna see some of my film, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this guy. I, I, I mean, I can show you like you'll be like, okay, you know what? He was nice back then. He was it was inevitable. Like you see, like he was he was always he was gonna be a ball player.
0: Listen, y'all, we we have discussed his athletic career on numerous occasions. And because I wasn't there to witness it, I tend to joke him a lot and tell him that he's not as good as they say he was. But
1: I might have to just show him the tape. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I really don't brag about it. But if he's asking me, I'm like, yo, like I was, I was pretty good. Like you know. So
0: this was in the '90s. You, you thought you was pretty good, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: won, won a few championships. So you know what I mean? You
0: know, okay. We, so you got a few rings, few yeah, trophies. You
1: know, we, we did a little something. You know what I mean? I got some <laughs> hardware. to, to that All right,
0: up. so well, what did y'all do at North County? Because you, you ended up going there, of course, like you said, nine years old, you fell in love with the game. So, of course, now you're playing with equipment. Now you're at the high school level. Were you automatic varsity, or
1: did you had to have a stint on JV? So I pl- I played JV. Um, so my first year at JV, like, I just didn't grow yet. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I literally was like a... Probably like a, uh, I look like a, a sixth or seventh grader in the ninth grade. Um, like, I was late for going through puberty, <laughs> so I didn't grow. I was skinny. Like, I, I literally, I think my ninth grade year, I wore a hundred, maybe a hundred pounds or a hundred and five pounds. Oh, yeah. I, pr- I promise you. My ninth grade year, I was like 105. I was like real little. And this was the first year that, like, some guys was actually as fast as me who never been fast as me. Like, like their puberty was kicking in. And so they was doing things and I was just, I was just like behind. (laughs) And, um, it's crazy because like it was the first, it was the first time ever in football that I felt like, like not the best. Right. And, um, it was just a weird feeling because I never, ever felt that way. So by 10th grade, Tenth grade came, puberty hit. I got taller, I got strong. I mean, you can see in my school picture, I look like a totally different person. Like, <laughs> I look like a little dweeb in the ninth grade, and in the tenth grade, I look like a show enough, like thorough. I almost say I almost say I look like a thug, but I look like <laughs> don't fool with him. Like I had a neck <laughs> and all of that stuff. And, and what happened is by the tenth grade year, man, I got I got my speed, got my burst back, I got stronger. So a lot of things happened. It was like I, I, it went, I looked like day and night from ninth grade to tenth grade, and so tenth grade I started on um, JV and I was killing them. I would, we, I mean, we was, we was, we was killing. And um, but you know, I was killing so much I got moved up to varsity, and so that's when that kind of happened. And um, we actually won a championship uh, that year. I got moved up, um, and from that point on, you know. Um, it was like we just couldn't wait till like our senior year when we gonna have the guys that's that were still down on J V they get to come up like the seniors, like it was so many guys. It was like some it was guys that it was actually guys that played um varsity as freshmen, right? It was some guys that played um varsity as sophomores and then it was some guys, of course, that go up as juniors. But by the time we were all seniors, we knew we was gonna kill. So my senior year we were like number two in the state. We um, we were we were we almost broke the national passing record. I think all the all the receivers were in the top ten in the county. We had um, like three of us. I think was in the top ten in the state. Uh, I mean we was just we, were, we was we was we was bad man. We you know we were, we were <laughs> we was we was hard that we was hard to stop, and um was undefeated and and I, I really I I really I hate I'm always going to say this because I got to say it we would have probably went undefeated all the way through if um one of our guys didn't break his leg like the game before the playoffs but um that was my man Dink man he was like our Ray Lewis on defense he he was one of the best football players I ever played with and that's even in college um but uh but we yeah we I mean we still was killing man we, you know we put up numbers. I think to this day, that's still like, like wow. So, you know, and 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 I, and I, I'm blessed because you know I got to play college football because of my, um, athletic ability. So, you know.
0: So college. Where did you end up going to college, and what did you do in college? Like, how was your college career?
1: Um. So my college career. Uh, so of course you know. I think I. I ended up um, like number three receiving the state, like uh, something like that, in my my senior year. So I'm I'm just knowing that I'm going like any way I want. And um, so at the time in my senior year, my my mom had just um, my mom was going through a divorce, right? And so you know trying to be like the man of the house and Working and trying to help out and do all of these things, um, I, and 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 not knowing nothing about what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to get into college and scholarships and who you're supposed to talk to and things you're supposed to fill out. Um, I was, I was, um, I had a scholarship to um, I think one was East Carolina and one was uh, Tennessee State, and so I kind of was like talking to the coaches, and, and it was like I was going to go to Tennessee State. We had acceptance and all of these things. And, um, and I didn't get, like, stuff filled out for housing and all this stuff. And, and so it was like the coach was telling me, yeah, man, like, you know, and I'm hitting the coach, like, what am going to do? I don't have no housing. He was like, well, you know, maybe we'll set you up for the spring ball and, you know, we can get you in here in the in the um, spring semester and all this other stuff. And I'm kind of like, okay. My mother, like, nah, like, I don't want you to sit out because if you sit out, you know, a semester, you might not go. So I'm just thinking, like, whatever maybe I guess I don't know maybe I ain't going to college and uh literally like that summer two weeks before football camp start I got a call and um and it was coach wood for Bowie State and I'm you know I answered the phone like hello he was like yeah can I speak dance Swan chambers I'm like this is him he was like "Yeah, hey, how you doing this is coach wood man um you know camp start uh this that and the other you're going to need this and you know we can't wait to see you and I'm kind of like who's this <laughs> uh, coach wood yeah we talked to your mom man she got she, she, we, you know um she came to talk to us we we've been seeing film on you man so we love to have you you know this you know this what you're gonna need for camp so like that's how i found out i was going to Bowie state and so, was playing football
0: so behind the scenes mom made that trip
1: mom made it yeah
0: mom made it happen
1: my mom was like here goes his tape and she was like oh we don't answer one chamber yeah he can come here so I ended up going to Bowie State. And so when I get there, you know, I'm like, man, I'm gonna kill these dudes, man. I'm Antoine Chambers, right? So we get there and I'm, you know, um, go through camp and then, you know, in the camp, they giving you your jerseys, you know, the white jerseys was offense, the black jerseys was defense. So I remember when they they calling your name and they handing your jersey, they call, so they was like, uh, Chambers. And I'm like, and they threw me a black jersey. And I was like, I said, Black jerseys for defense, right? She was like, "Yeah." I said, "I said I play offense." He was like, uh, "Chambers, oh yeah, Chambers, go see Coach Wood." <laughs> <laughs> so I go go see Coach Wood. And I'm like, Coach Wood, like, like what is this? Like, they gave me a black jersey. Oh, oh this is how you talk? Oh yeah, Chambers. Oh, uh, yeah, you know our, our best athletes play defense. Uh, we want you to give us. Sh- we want you to give it a shot to playing cornerback. We want you to play some defense. If you don't like it, you know you could go back to offense. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, you know, you got know I many touchdowns ahead. <laughs> like, yo, you know. What so I was like, all right, man. So I, I go, I go, um, you know, go play the cornerback. And like he said, that w- at our school, like the defensive players, like the athletes, was heavy on the defensive side. And um, but uh, again, I went to play defense in that corner, and I fell in love. So, what you thought, you calling. was like a little Deion Sanders out here? Man, I really was shutting it down, man. I was, <laughs> I, I was the cover guy. I was the cover guy on our team for multiple years. Like, I was the guy that, like, had the tough assignments, who wasn't scared, like, yo, I got him. You know, and coach would be like, all right, Chambers, you got – that was their guy. So, you
0: lined up left, right, nickel, it didn't matter. You was – whoever that best guy was, you was on?
1: De- depending on a team, if they had a guy like that. Right. You know, but but most of the time I played the left corner, which is, you know, where the right handed quarterback, that's where he looked most, right? So right. I played the left side. But like I said, if they had a guy that was like that, then I would, you know what I mean? And it was times where um like when, before I like when I really first got on and I was like I had to prove myself, I was like the nickel guy that would go in to play the different tough matchups like my like my second year, like stuff like that, to earn my keep.
0: All right, no doubt. So you had to pivot. You know, it seemed like you're doing a lot of pivoting as you coming up. Like, it's always something that you say, dang, I don't really want to go. Like, with school, dang, I don't really want to go to private. But you end up having to go to private, you know. Now you at at uh, high school, you know, you wanted to, you know, actually play ball, but you were so small that you couldn't really get the bump. And then when you had to grow sprout, you, you know, got back on. And now you're in college, and you were all-state, you know, running back and, you know, receiver. I was
1: receiver. a wide receiver in, in high school. Wide receiver? Yeah. Was you your slot? Yeah, I was a slot back. We had a full wide, so I was the okay. slot. Okay. Yeah. So you played that, and
0: now you get to college, and they say, look, we want you on corner. Never pivot. <laughs> like, you, it's, it's, it's nothing but pivot for you, and you just re- like, yo, I'm going to roll with it. Like. My
1: whole life. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, you know, what we didn't mention, and I heard you say it was, you know, often you grew up without your dad and it wasn't necessarily an issue, but you were the man of the house at that point. You became an older brother at 15, which is, you know, late. Like I didn't become an older brother till I was seven. So I knew how that adjustment was. I was like the spoiled brat, like I, my grandparents, everything. How was it for you? You know, 15 years really without having, you know, a sibling to really worry about. Then you, you get a little sister. How did that transform your thinking and your mindset? What did you go through then?
1: So my mom would always joke around and be like, how would you like if you had a little brother or sister? And I'd be like, you know, whatever, whatever. And uh, one day, um, I think I was like 14, and she was like, um, what would you think if you had a little brother or sister? I'm like, "Nah, come on. I don't, you know, I don't want to hear that no more. <laughs> like, I mean, Stop. And she was like, no, for real, what would you think? I said, whatever. I don't I mean. So she was like, Well. And I was looking at her like, well, what? <laughs> well, you gonna have a little sister. And I was like, my. Like, I'm looking at her like <laughs> like, you doing it? Like, what? <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Yeah, she came. And um, and so my little sister, man, she was so cute. And I was older and it was kinda like it wasn't like one of those things where I had like a, uh, like I had this little sister to raise yet, but it was like it was like cool. I got this little baby sister. She was just fun, like, right? You know, my, she was taken care of. It wasn't like I got like now you gotta. So it was just like fun. Like she was just cute. She always ran behind me. She wanted you know. She was just like this fun little, and she like I don't know, man. It was, she was a lot of fun. I was older. I could do things with her, I was showing her a lot, you know, I could play with her and she would just love to play. So she was just fun. She was outspoken. She always had a mouth. So she was just a lot of fun. And um so that was cool in the family. We it was like a you know, a new little breath of fresh air. Um, so yeah, I had fun with my sister.
0: Okay. So it really didn't cause for me it was just different because I had to I went from having everything I wanted to having to share a lot. You know, grow up in a single parent household but you were like older so you were working by then had your own money and everything and then you well, had
1: i just i started working when she was born because I got my first job at 15 so when she was born um by the time she was born yeah i i started working so I could buy a little stuff for you know like i said it was cool i um yeah yeah she was she was fun my little sister was a lot of fun man she was she was she was um she was cute <laughs> like, <laughs> you, she was just, she was like, I was happy to have this little sister because it didn't feel like, like, it wasn't like taken from me because I was grown. Like, I was almost grown by that time. Right. And I always tell my mother, like, you had two only kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because my sister, by the time she was four, I was off to college. Right. You right. know what I mean? So she, like, she had my mother kind of to herself. Like, I had it to myself. Yeah, not me. <laughs>
0: yeah, nah. It was splitting time, baby. Yeah, but, but it was different when
1: I got older, though. Like by the time she got older, I told you about it, um by my senior year, my, my my mother they got she got a divorce, right? So now it was like now I felt th- like more of the need to like step in and help out, and it was times where I really did have to really become like the man of the house, um, because you know. she, like my mother, was part of the airline and lost jobs and stuff like that. So I really had to step in and help out. So, yeah, it did come a time where I had to really step in and be that. And then I kind of was like the father figure for my little sister at that point because now I'm in the house and I'm the man in the house. And so I got to tell her no, I got to, she can't do that. And, you know, all the Christmas Christmases and this little thing she won. I'm helping my mom get those things for her. So it's like, you know, you kind of had to step in and, and play another role at that point.
0: So she went from this cute little, like, oh, she's so cute. Now you're like, look, you can't have that. You can't do that. So the, yeah. the,
1: the big brother changed. The big brother changed. Now, now she's looking at me look sideways. Like, I'm like, her daddy, you know, she's looking at me like, you ain't my daddy. I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing stuff like your dad. <laughs> so no, you can't have it.
0: Man, they had to be a, a big change for her to yeah, adjust I to. Know. She, she,
1: I got on her nerves at that point. I, I was like <laughs> her favorite, and then
0: not no more. Yeah, like he get on my nerves. <laughs> oh, but she
1: loved when I get her stuff though. It's like, it was like it was, and it was like I had to cut her off <laughs> as a grown up because as a grown up, she still want me to do things for her on her birthdays and the holiday. And you know, she want me to do things like her dad, but yet. You know, she don't want me to say nothing about what she do now. I'm like, look, we got to pick one. <laughs> but I'm going to pick it for you. You don't want me to be in your business. you grown and all that stuff? Cool. I'm going to let you be. I'm going to be your brother. We are going to go back. I'm going to I'ma be your brother. So I'm not <laughs> your dad. Stop coming to me for all of that stuff now. you grown now. So right. I'll be having a reminder sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, still, that's still my girl. I,
0: yeah, she she's such an awesome human being. I love, I love his sister. She's really fun. So... You know now you you know you're kind of growing into you know manhood at this point, and we've already overcome so many challenges and adversities in your life. At this point now you
1: graduate.
0: What what motivated you? What did you did you finish school? You finished, got your bachelor's. Mm-hmm. What did you get in there? Huh? What you get your degree in?
1: That's a whole another thing. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so, look, so so you know when you when you when you go to college, you know you always got these. Everything sounds like that's what I want to go to school for. You know, people say, I want to go for graphic design. I want to go for computer engineering. I want to go for, you know, all of these things. So my mother was like, you should be an electrical engineer. So I was like, okay. Right. You know what I mean? I was pretty good in math. So I was like, okay. And um, so, you know, I go to school and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing that. And the point where I knew this is not for me was um, I remember – Coming from, I remember coming from practice, trying to hurry up and go to the um, to the tutoring center because I needed some help. I think I was in, like, um, Calc 2 or uh, maybe multiverbal. No, I wasn't in multiverbal calculus, I, but I was in, like, one of those. It was, like, Calculus or something like that, or Calculus 2. But I remember, like, I needed some help, and I was coming from practice. I'm all sweaty and stuff, but I'm running up to the... And so the, the people that's tutoring... In the tutoring center, those like a lot of them are in my class, right? So I'm asking them what they want. I mean, they asking me, you know, what you need help on, and I'm like, that whole chapter, man. We was doing today, like, I don't. So they was like, like you don't know. I'm like, nah, that's why I'm here. Like, so (laughs) you know, they looking at me and I'm looking at them, and then I just remember being in class and I just remember like how I interacted with them, and I'm like, if I gotta, if I'm gonna have a career where these are my contemporaries, these are my peers. Like, this is going to be, like, it's going to be make me pull my hair out. Right. Like, we got nothing in common. They don't have nothing in common with me. I'm just, you know, taking this stuff because I don't enjoy it, you know. So that's when I really started, like, kind of second guessing if I wanted to do um, engineering. And then one of the kickers was, um, I remember I had just got finished taking Calculus-Based Physics 1. And... I was making up my my um, my schedule for the next semester. So in this semester I had to take uh I had to take um I was taking multivariable calculus. I was taking calculus based physics 2. Now calculus based physics 1, I don't know how I passed it, but I passed it. <laughs> I somehow got through. I did everything That you can do from meeting with the uh, professor, office hours, (laughs) study groups. I mean, I did everything possible to pass. And I passed this class. And and I was like, now I got to take two. So I'm taking multivariable calculus, um, calculus calculus-based physics, chemistry three. um, I'm sorry. Multivariable calculus was the math. You got to take a math elective. Right. Right. So I was taking calculus two and multivariable calculus. Right, right. So, and I'm taking calculus-based physics two, chemistry three, and I gotta take a, um, a computer science elective. So I think at that point I already took like Visual Basic, C So I think I was taking um, Linux or Unix, one of. Them. Mm-hmm. And I was just like I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not gonna be fun. This is this this is torture. Like right. I'm not having fun with this. And so I remember I'm like. Something got changed, so I go to my I go to my advisor and I'm talking to my advisor. I'm like, um, I'm 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 tr- I'm thinking about changing my majors. So she was like, Well, why don't you do computer science? Because a lot of your credits will transfer over. And I'm like, But it's almost the same. Like instead of taking, you still got to take the same math, but instead of taking um, a math elective, I got to take a computer science elective. Right. Right. I'm like, Nah. I'm <laughs> I'm just. And so she's like, Well, you know. Well, Go check out, um, you know, a couple of different departments and maybe see if they can. So I just remember leaving there. So when I left there, you know, everybody, all the professors in, in the math and science departments, they have, um, you know, they wear slack, like khakis and white shirts and pocket protectors and 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 they got lab coats on and stuff. Like my um, my calculus based physics teacher, he wore these dusty um, Air High top, head mask, red and white. He wore them every single day with this lab coat and a red and white Santa Claus hat. This is what he wore. Every, like, oh my goodness. And so they had Priuses and Matrix and and Corollas in there, like hybrid cars and stuff in their parking lot. So I go over to the math department. I just remember walking by the math department. I'm like, there's BMWs and Benzes and Corvettes over here. (laughs) nice over here. I go inside, the ladies got business suits on, the guys got suits and ties everybody fresh, ladies got their hair done I'm like, I like this <laughs> I said, let, let me talk to who, who do I talk to in here? Who can I talk to? Can somebody talk to me? And um, <laughs> I went to talk to one of the advisors there and I, so make a long story short, I became a business major Smart man <laughs> and um, so I graduated with um a, with a business uh with a concentration in information systems. So when you do business, you can do business, regular administration. You can do business with a concentration in um, accounting, marketing, uh, management, information systems. So the information systems, out of all the business concentrations, took the most of my credits.
0: Right. So you had so stay that I, so, much longer. Right.
1: So I took business information <laughs> systems. <laughs> Makes and, sense. Um, so that's kind of how I did that. And, um, and so that was... That was probably the best move for me.
0: All right. So we get out of school, got your degree. So what kind of work did that allow you to do? Like, what did you start off doing? What kind of work did you end up doing after you graduated?
1: So for real, unless you are an accountant or I guess now, you don't even, like, it's really, business is not a good, really, degree to get Mm. because- unless you just want to be like a manager for somebody or something like that, because you got, you, you know, you can show that you took marketing classes and, and, and a uh, management classes and you got some sort of idea. Cause you got to take accounting. And, um, so you kind of like maybe well-rounded enough to be like, go out and get, be a manager of some sort. But mm-hmm. really, even with marketing it's like marketing now, you got to know social media and things like that. And it is like, that's the new marketing. So it's like, for me, like just a regular business administration, like you can't really get a good job like with that unless right. you go back and, and get your masters and like be specific in something. Like you like you got a master's in something and you take that, but just a business, um, but what I can say is business information systems, you do have it, it do kind of cater you in the IT realm, right? information systems and stuff like that so um but i ain't really want to be in it like that I, i'm a well we'll talk a little bit more but i did give it a shot but i'll tell you about that later <laughs> <laughs> but um no so it's like business really like even with business in general like get getting a business degree is kind of it's kind of worthless if you want to be in business for yourself uh
0: I hear a lot of people say that like they learned more in self-taught courses than they did in their four-year collegiate business degree.
1: Yeah, because in business you got to learn an actual business if you're the owner, if you're running the business. Now, if you can take a business, get a business degree, and go work for somebody, that's possible, right? Because, right? like I said, you can be in management. You know, you right. can get a job for somebody as a manager. But if you want to run your own business, it, it really doesn't make sense to go into go to school for business.
0: So did so did you ever use your degree? Did you go into management, or you didn't get a degree? I mean, you didn't use your degree in
1: management. My degree is somewhere in some box in somewhere in my grandmother's house or my mother's house. Or somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it's at.
0: So you never used it. So
1: I, I need to find it and put it in here or something so it can at least like make my office look like official. And like, you know, <laughs> he got a degree; he's smart. That's the biggest cracker. I don't.
0: I've never thought of intelligence. Meaning you completed a four year program because I know some highly intelligent people that didn't even get past eighth grade.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> you see what we were being sold.
0: Yeah, but um, like you said, but if you want to work for somebody, you definitely get that degree and that help
1: you. Yeah, because that that, that that now you're proving yourself to them. Like I'm good enough to work for you. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs>
0: so let's. But so, all right, come out twenty one. Tw- oh, did you graduate twenty one or twenty two? When you graduated college,
1: I graduated in twenty four. Oh, so you had a long career. Yeah, I changed my I changed my major my third year, second semester.
0: See, that's what happened, y'all. When you change your you change your uh, your major so many times, you you
1: or change it late. <laughs> yeah,
0: you end up staying a couple extra years. They
1: was like, uh, you want to change your major? You know, if you do the business, like I think I had twenty four. Credits that didn't count towards my degree. Jeez. That's a whole two years of school. Yeah. Gee.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Let's get back. What do so? What do, so? Did you? What kind of work did you end up getting into after that? Like, did you ever uh, pursue any type of careers? Anything? Because I know, you know, it it wasn't always like you had examples of entrepreneurs in your family. You, you like you said, your granddad has always been. A, a owner of his own business, and then you have aunts that have owned their own business, and your uncle owned their own business. But was it preached in your household to go to school, get your degree, get a good job, and go, you know, work and retire for somebody, or was that just something that you wanted to do, or your mom pushed?
1: So, you know, when you're in school, and like that, that was the thing. Like, you were successful if you. Went to school, got good grades, and went to college. Mm -hmm. That was, quote unquote, successful. So I was all signed up for that. That's what I thought I was supposed to do. And what I wanted to do more than anything, I wanted to play professional football. I wanted to be a football player. If you asked me when I was in high school, if you asked me when I was a kid what I was going to be when I was growing up, I was going to be a professional football player. So to be a professional football player, you had to go to college. So I knew that much that I was going to go to college. Did
0: you go try out for a team at least? No. No.
1: Uh, but what happened was <laughs> in school, um, I ended up uh, I ended <laughs> so I wanted to. I ended up doing some some business things in school. So um, I remember when I so I had I grew dreads when I was playing football. So it was like I wanted these dreads. I wanted my dreads to hang out my helmet. Like that was one of the reasons why I grew the dreads, and um, so. In the process of growing dreads, I used to get a job in the summertime. And I remember when I tried to get a job in the summertime because I had dreads, they wouldn't hire me. Now, I was I was a clean cut, uh, wavy hair. I had waves, the, the, the sharp shape up and all of that stuff. And I could go into any job and get hired. Like, I had those kind of skills to be able to get hired by anybody. That was never a thing for me. When I grew my hair, those had these dreads. Nobody would hire me, and I was like, "Wow!" Like it. At first, I was kind of like, not like not believing it. I was, you know, I'm like, "Nah, nah." But it was like I went to some th- some places where I knew I can get this job. wasn't happening. I was like, "Yo!" Like this is a real thing.
0: Like it's racism.
1: This serious. A, this is a real thing. No, nobody would take me serious because of my hair. Wow. This was a real thing. I'm in college. I'm I'm putting all of that stuff like, but. The way Grace. I looked at him, they was like, nah, they wasn't even paying me no mind. So, so that's when it was like, all right, well, I gotta do something. So, um, my uncle had a little um, kind of like convenience store shop where he sold everything from like rockaway clothes to um, um, uh, phone cards to um, <laughs> cigars and uh, t-shirts. Uh, the baby, the white tees with the, the big white tees. He had them. He had all the little bootleg CDs from up New York and all of that stuff. So he had just all of that stuff. So I remember going in there like, all right, so um, how much would you sell me some tees and some of these CDs for? I start picking through the CDs I think I could sell. And how much would you sell um, 10 shirts for me for? So I start going back up to school or going places to try and hustle CDs. And then I remember one of my big hits was, remember when Maryland won the championship? Maryland Terps won the basketball championship. Well, Juan Dixon, I bought a whole bunch of Maryland little flyers and flags and stuff like that. Man, all that stuff sold big. I sold out, and I remember um, Jay Z Blueprint came out, and I remember I had twenty copies of it, and man, I was selling that Blueprint because I normally sell, I normally sold like CDs for like um, six, seven dollars, but I was selling the Blueprint for ten. Boom so all of them boy that was like (laughs) yo like you were selling the blueprint before it came out so that was like how i kind of started like hustling a little bit and um and then i um i had i had got the idea because our little school store closed at 10 and all the people on campus you know who did the smoking and all of that stuff like i said you know what i got this forming grill um I'm gonna start selling chicken patties, cheeseburgers on this former girl after 10. And I went to Sam's Club and um and got the uh I ran my grandfather, the barbershop. They don't they donated a case of sodas to because I told them what I was gonna do. So they donated the barbershop, donated a case of sodas for what I was doing to get me off the ground. So I was selling like cheeseburgers and chicken patties, and you can I do like a combo with a chicken patty and a soda, and uh, it just started kicking off. Clean like, it up. Man, look, and here's the thing, I got my buddy. We went in every, I went to the computer lab and printed out these little flies. We went to every dorm, and I said, yo, like, I got him to help me go to the girls' dorms. He yo, help me. Let's go to the girls' dorm and put a fly under there. We can get in. So, of course, to go to the girls' dorm. He was like, cool. So, we went under every dorm and put one of these flies under every door. And before you know it, you know what I mean? Like, I had people coming to my door at, like, 10, 11, 12 o'clock. I cut it off at 12 o'clock. And then it'd be the jokers trying to hit my door like 12 45, one o'clock. Be like, yo, you still open? Because the smell still be in the hall. I'm like, nah, yo, I'm done. But if they gave me something like, oh, I give you $10, like $10 in college, yo, I give you $10 if you make me one of them chicken patties. Fire <laughs> that thing. <laughs> so, but that's how I started. And then um, I ended up getting in the entrepreneurs club because um, I wanted to. Do, I wanted to do a car wash but you couldn't do a car wash as a regular person. You had to be like some part of some kind of club or organization. So I'm like, organization. I'm like, I play football. They was like, no. Nah. So, so, um, then I, I saw one of the things, one of the things you could be like in one of the clubs, I like entrepreneurs club. So I went, who I talked to to get in the entrepreneurs club. So I went to talk to this one girl. She told me, she was like, you can do it. Um, you mind being a treasure? I was like, okay. Like <laughs> whatever that means. Like, all right. So now, um, now I could do the entrepreneur. I could use the entrepreneurs club to post flyers for the um, car wash, and I had, and I used I basically went to all the faculty, all the faculty buildings, because they was the main people that was paying me. The faculty people was bringing their cars down. We was cleaning up. I had my girl at the time. I brought her from back home. She was up there. I had my little my little neighbor who was like fifteen. I brought her. My homeboy, he was talking to all the chicks. I'm like, yo, I'm paying you. How are you supposed to be getting it? So, all right, so I'm just my whole thing. I'm just bringing customers. Everybody watching. So that was like the first time I was like, "Yo, I can put a team together. We can make this money." And um, and then to make make a long story short, that's what gave me the idea to start doing parties. And when I start doing parties, we start really killing. And that spent over into after school was out. I was doing parties back home. Zorb, had a he had a club on Fulton VIP City, and then he had another club down, down uh, Mount Vernon and the, at the Belvedere. So I was popping out parties then. You know, we was, yeah, it, it was good. So that was kind of like my first kind of endeavors in entrepreneurship. And I think I ended up throwing a um, a back to like a back in the day skating party. I had Scotty B as the DJ. Um, I had, I mean, I had tickets, pre order tickets. I had security. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was wild. But I was just like, I was rolling by then. I'm just, you know. I got bit by the bug.
0: It was it. So safe to say you really never had like a like you've had nine to fives, but they was never permanent. Like you never said, I'ma get in this job and and grow here and retire. Like you was like, I'm gonna do this so I can
1: So I never thought about retiring at a job, but I did get a a consistent, kind of good job um, out the airport. I started working as a um, as a sky cap. But prior to working as a sky cap, I used to, um, I used to work for this uh, company. It was like a, a temp agency that was that we used to um, hustle cars for like all the rental cars. So and it was like you had to. It was a first come first serve. So like the first fifteen people got it. So it took me one time getting there and not being able to work because I was coming from Bowie to the airport. And I, I remember so it would be times where I would be up there if we had to be there at six o'clock. I'd be up there like five fifteen, just sitting, <laughs> waiting, waiting, watching everybody come. I'm like, I'm I'm working. I needed that work. <laughs> I think I was only making. I, think I was making like seven fifty an hour, Ooh, but goodness. it was like you, you know needed what I'm saying? it. I was yeah. I had a little apartment on campus. I, I had to pay my little my little portion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so you know, had you finally got you a steady job as an As an adult, there were some changes that started to come. Like you said, you had your little sister, so you had to be like dad. But now, you know, you become an actual dad. You actually have your first uh, child. Uh, Talk about how that impacted you and what kind of changes you made in your life at that point. Because at that point, you you were able to do a, a lot of pivoting. And you know that's been pretty much a theme. Like you could hop in something, do it for a little bit. You know, try some other things. But now you had to like, I gotta have some stability.
1: What what changed? Um. So. I guess I never really talked too much about my father, but like, my father dynamic is really what made me the person and the father that I am. So like, my father was in and out of jail, in and out of prison, like first part of my life. So all the way up till I was, I want to say, just just say from like seven, eight years old. Like my father was in and out. He would show up in the neighborhood. Like I'd be, we'd be down the playground, or we'd be down the rec, shooting, playing basketball, and um, my friends would be like, "Yo, who who that guy over there looking? Looking over here." i turn around and look and I'm looking like, that's my dad, you know what I mean? So I'd run over and see my father. Like he would just pop up like that. We go for rides. You know, it'd be times where he took me out of state and, and be out gone for a week and my mother was zapping out going crazy. And um, but this was like me and my father's relationship. So but my father always made me feel like he loved me. I just he just would go to jail. He would get locked up and be in prison. And um and I just remember I remember going to Jessup, I remember going to the prison, and, and this was etched in my brain early. When those doors shut, it's like ah, uh, and then it's like boom, it's like, mm-hmm. like boom, and I was like, oh, as a kid, I'm like, yo, like I'm never coming here.
0: And that's when you're going to visit and when you're leaving. Yes. You hear that, you hear that gate
1: open Boom. and cool. And Boom. I, and I'm like, I'm never coming here. So as a child, I knew I'm never going to prison. When I tell you I never had handcuffs on, I never been in the squad car, I'm like, never. Like, I was always doing, like, I'm never going to prison. So you got some kids who, like, want to be like their father and all that stuff. Because my father was a slickster. You know what I'm saying? He was one of the little gangsters from around the city. and um, But I, that was me. You know what I'm saying? I just know I, like, what he, the gift he gave me was to instill in me that I'm never going to prison. That was never cool to me. I, I knew what it felt like being there going to see him. It was cold. It was hard. It was damp. It was, yeah, nah, that just ain't, it, it just ain't rock with my spirit as a child. So, so how did that make you a, a, a better dad?
0: Like, what, what did that do for you?
1: It just made me want to be in my child's life. My father wasn't there in my life and I seen how other fathers was there in their life. Like I had a father figure grandfather and he taught me and like like I'm a lot of my life, a lot of my ways is modeled after my grandfather, but which is a blessing too. But um I always said when I have kids, I'ma be in my kids' life. Like my kids gonna know their dad, they gonna love their dad, the dad gonna be there for everything. Like, yeah.
0: So you said you did party promotion. You, you know, you hustled during school, had the car wash. You also sold uh, food and everything like that. You know, even in, as a younger, uh, you know, younger guy, when you with your uncle, you was hustling CDs and things like that. You became older. What was like the first business that you really took serious that you was like, all right, I could see myself making some serious loot doing this. What was that first business that you said? Yeah, this this me. I'm about to my, I'm about to blow up with this.
1: That's a that's a hard question because I don't think I ever felt anything that really, truly made me feel like that. Like, I always felt like I could do certain things and make some money and kind of be successful at it. But I never felt like nothing was mine and it was like my thing and my purpose, like that, that thing that could make me do it in spite of any and everything. Like, I never, I, I, I was always searching for that. So like um when I when I became a skycap, um a sky cap was kinda like on a low a, a kind of good job because you made a lot of money every day. And um and and so, you know, the without getting into that, cause it's it's like rules the sky caps that you don't really discuss. So but let's just say it was it was a decent job to the point where by 26 years old, I was building a house from the ground up, and my contemporaries and peers—nobody else was doing stuff like that. And um, you know, I had a nice car, I had money. You know, I'm traveling, I'm going everywhere, I'm, I'm treating my girl to whatever it is. You know, we're going to trips to Vegas and grand spas. We staying in the MGM Grand. We just li- like we just doing whatever. We living it up, and and I'm not like stunting where I'm spending. Like I got it. You know what I mean? I got. I had. I remember, like, when I first built the house, or whatever. Like, I had fifty thousand dollars in cash, like, in just like shoeboxes and and the safe and and like different. Like, you know what I mean? I just saved my money, and so I had I had a little money to to spend the blow. So I think now I wish I'd have known what I know now with my new venture with you know buying stock. <laughs> in the, In the stock market right Uh, so much money that i kind of blew doing dumb stuff i wish i'd have known now but that's that's what growth is all about but um i i I had a nice little gig and and at the time i thought that was like oh this is everything like like how you how you in a position where you know you i'm putting 1500 two grand away just saving a month like just 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 you know just living and everything was good at the time um, I had when I graduated school, I had to move back home before I built the house because um, my mom had kind of lost her job because of like nine eleven stuff and all of that. So I kind of moved back in to kind of help out with that, and um, and uh, so I kind of took over her her bills for a little bit until she got you know herself straight. But in in the, in the process, you know, I was able to to save money and do things, and that's when I you know like I said I built the house. So I had some things going for me. And that's when I, I started ACN. And and I didn't think I even I even kind of brought you in, ACN. I don't know how we connected on something, but somehow I got But here's the thing with ACN, I really did like the business. Um and I felt like I was I was pretty good at it. Like we had a nice little run. And um and it wasn't that um I got anything bad to say about it, because I love what ACN taught me. I love my mentors and what I was able to learn because it, it really did. It was like everything I'm learning in life is is on purpose, right? You talk about a lot about um, obstacles and pivoting and getting over stuff. Well, what I realize now, a lot of those things kind of make you. And ACN came in my life as what I know now was to teach me about business and was to teach me how to build teams and was to get me on my self-development course right so i learned about self-development in acn i started i was like literally my car was a riding university i was listening to jim Rohn. i was listening to, uh what's his name um zig ziglar i was listening to tony robbins um George Zelligy, George Zelligy was my man. George Zelligy and Jim Rohn was like my favorites at, at when I first started. I'm reading um, Napoleon Hill. Thing. So it's like I'm like I literally was taken in. I remember at one point I was listening to The Secret every single day for about at least eight months. I could I can, to this day when The Secret come on, I can word for word say parts because I listen to it so much. Kevin Trudeau, Kevin Trudeau is somebody I listen to real heavy now. But I I got into Kevin Trudeau back then on like the the kind of like the uh, the beginner stuff, and um, so I just got I, ACN, it really started teaching me about um, growth and development and learning and success principles. So if I remember correct, A C N was a financial network marketing tool, right? They they taught you about finance. No, A C N was. Um, ACN was like uh, uh, telecommunications.
0: They had the first video phone. Yeah. All right. So yeah, yeah if you guys don't remember, it used to be uh, a video phone. It looks like uh, one of those operator type pads. You used to flip up the the little pad. You had to hook it into your dial up, so you couldn't have dial up and the phone at the same time. It was either or.
1: No, you actually didn't have dial up. This was when they had. Um, what was it? DSL. 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 Even. D- yeah. It was like. Yeah, DSL. DSL. Yeah, this went.
0: This way back when internet was. <laughs> yeah. when everybody had internet at that point, and uh, yeah, it was definitely a hustle. Yeah, you brought me. In. I th- I had to have been just like fresh out of high school at that point, and I was just looking for something to stick my teeth in, and and I saw the success that you and your uncle were having, and I was like, oh, I want that too. But my heart was never into it. Like, I didn't even start self-development at that stage in my life. Like, I was like, yeah I'm done. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I ain't making no money. I'm like, I'm out of here.
1: Yeah. That self-development, like, to this day, um, I recognize, like, I learned so much about self-development and, and success and, and 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 what it takes to be a leader. Like, they taught a lot of leadership. We used to go to, like, the leadership classes and stuff. Um and to run a business and be successful, like leadership is key, right? right? So I learned a lot about that. I learned a lot about how to lead. Um, I learned a lot about um, the principles and, and the ingredients that make sick people successful. And so to this day, this is this is what I do. Like I gotta, I gotta, I love personal development. Like I love reading. I love about. I love um, learning more things about success. And um, And that's kind of like my, that's one of my, that's one of my, my, um, my guilty pleasures.
0: Ain't nothing wrong with that. And it's paid off dividends for you. So let's get into the nit and gritty of what you do now. You know, you've became a serial entrepreneur and you've helped establish two companies that are now thriving. You have your, uh, athletic apparel and you also have a production company called Wiseman Production. What are those two businesses? What do they mean to you? And what do you do within those businesses? Like what do what do those businesses provide to the audience, the people? So, um let's start with let's start with wise because a lot of people don't know that you're actually an executive producer like that. Um let's let's start with wise then we're gonna hit hit up co ed.
1: Okay. So Wiseman Productions came about because um I had a phase where I literally lost everything. I lost everything. I lost the house. I lost my car. I lost my my job. I lost everything. And the recession was the main contributor to all of that. When the recession hit, a lot of people, businesses was going, I mean, you know, companies were going out of business. um, And uh, a lot of downsizing. And I lost my job. And so with losing that job, like I said, I, I, it was a good job. It was a lot of money coming in, and um, I wasn't prepared when that happened. And so um, I just went through a lot. And um, and so this is the, the, the conversation I was telling you about it. Right? So it, I remember trying to get a like when every when all that happened, I was trying to revert back to my degree. I'm like, all right, so let me try to get in it, get one of these government jobs because government always hiring. They'll never leave nobody off. So I remember trying to get a government job and all of this stuff, and um, I was just trying. I was applying every, like every two to three days, two to three days out of the week. I'm putting in applications. I'm just trying, and I was doing this for, I want to say, almost a year. And um, and I remember one of the guys who I used to throw the parties with. This was my guy, AB. AB said, I remember telling him all I was doing. He was like, But well, why are you trying to be an IT analyst?" I was like, "Yo, that's my degree." And he was like, "Yo." You're an you are entrepreneur. You ain't no IT analyst, and I just remember <laughs> thinking like, he right, and I never put one single resume or application in for IT since that day, and I and I and that's when I um I really buckled down and started going in on coed. But but like you said, um, with Wiseman Productions, during that time, um, I had met my I didn't to meet my partner. I. Me and my partner had crossed paths because he used to work in um. He used to work in the, in the car dealership. He was running a dealership out in Glen Burnie, and um and so at this time I'm walking up the hill because I was I um my aunt had let me stay with her while I was getting back on my feet because like I say I was living out my work van for a minute because like I just lost the house and I ain't had no way to go, so. aunt finally was like you know till you get on your feet you know you can stay here for a little bit and all this other stuff so i remember walking up the hill because it's these big hills out Pumphrey. so i'm walking up the hill and i'm walking by my partner's grandmother's house he was uh, living there at the time and so um i remember him saying something to me about you know all this stuff he was going through like he started going through because this was like the recession and so the car business was one of the main ones that was hit bad too so he was going through he was telling me all this stuff And at this time, I was, like, real heavy in my self-development. And I remember telling him something to the effect of, um, I said, well, man, I hear all that stuff you're saying. I said, but if they wrote a book about your life, would anybody want to read it? And I just kept walking up the hill. And I could see the puzzled look on his face like, huh? (laughs) And basically what I wanted to say was, it's like, yo, if you don't go through stuff in life, you don't have adversity, and you don't have like all of these crazy things that happen to you, like that makes for an interesting book. Like, it does. If, if if everything is smooth sailing in your life, eh, ain't that? Ain't read anybody reading that. want to read that. There's nothing exciting about it, right? So that was my thing to him because I was going through crazy stuff. So I'm like, shh, yeah, boy. When, when this thing done, you know, like I'ma have a heck of a story to tell. That's for sure. So, so that was kind of the thing. So that kind of interaction kind of left him looking at me like, huh? So. Later on, he really started going through it. But at the time I was finally coming out of mine, he was knee deep in his. And so um, we had saw each other one day and he was telling me all the stuff he was going through. And I was just, now I'm in a position where I can tell him like, yeah, I know. That's what, that's what, that's what's supposed to happen. I've been there. Right. (laughs) Right. You going to be all right? (laughs) Because he was telling me all the stuff he wanted to do. And I was like, yeah, you're going to be all right, but you got to go through it. And you big brother,
0: you mentoring him. Right. You know, one thing I didn't even ask you is because you did mention it when you got to ACN that you had some phenomenal, phenomenal mentors. With your personal development, did you see that as a necessity at that point that you needed a mentor? Or you kind of, it kind of just, you know, because ACN bred it, like you kind of just fell into a mentor?
1: Well, the way that kind of works in ACN, your mentor is kind of either the person that brought you in or like a couple people up like somebody's actually pretty a little successful and they got some vested interest in helping you become successful so um my first mentor in acn was a guy named simon Edwards. a lot of people know simon um but um the one thing i can say that simon did for me he had a lot we call it the book and tape flow he had a lot of cds of different people and so he would give me one. I would listen to it and I'd give it back. We So and then I start he start telling me about other ones. So I would go buy some of this person. Or well, I will order this person. So now we sharing stuff and we listening to stuff and we got stuff to talk about. Cause he would listen and do it and read it too. So now we going back and forth talking about stuff. I got somebody that's excited about personal development and growth, just like me now. So he he really got me on, on that tip and I will watch him listen to it all the time. So we would go different places. I mean, we would go, we would, We had teams in Pittsburgh. We would go out to Pittsburgh. I had teams in PG County. We was just all over the place. And he would literally be there with me. And when we go, we would pop on the ride. We would pop some stuff in and we'd be listening on the ride. <laughs> so he really kind of got me on my personal development tip along with Zorby. Um, Zorby was another one that was did a lot of reading. And uh, Zorby introduced me to The Secret. And The Secret kind of opened my eyes, too. Um, the seeker helped me understand what a lot of these other guys um that talked about leadership and success and stuff it helped me understand them better and um and that was one of the major major things because because for real um it's like until you really understand that all of those people that you listening to all your mentors um like that's how i looked at them they 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 were literally my mentors. I felt like I knew them. I listened to them so much. And when I was going through my hard times, the things they were saying were helping me through it. Like, there's a song, um, Erica Campbell got um, help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the guy named uh, McCray or something like that, Latre or something. LaCray, that's LaCray. So he got this part on there where he was like, you know, um, I hope all these quotes that I'm listening to or something, but basically what he was saying was like, Like I'm banking on all of these quotes, and all of these stories, and all of this material that I'm listening to, I'm banking on it being legit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if it's legit, like it got to be legit because I'm betting everything I got on this. Like this is like my 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 lifeline. Right. So those were my mentors, man. Those 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 things I was listening to. Those guys. Those really helped me. Jim Rohn. um, Jim Rohn. Uh, uh, what's my guy? Um, what's his name? Not escaping me. Um, you said Zig? I remember saying so, so Zig. So Zig zigler but no. But what's my guy? The white head guy. Um, is going to come to me, whatever. But um, but yeah. But Jim Rohn was a big one to help me through, uh, because he just he is like everything I was going through. He would talk about, you know what I'm saying? And um, and and that and that th- those guys really got me through. So, um. Yeah. So your guy,
0: you were coming out, you became more of a mentor to him. He was knee deep in his thing. When did you guys say let's let's get this thing together, get wise men together?
1: So we just started kind of talking more um because at the same time he was started reading and was really on his um his his I call it his book and tape flow. So he was really really into his personal development as well so we would we would trade different guys we'd be like oh you gotta listen to this guy he'd be like oh you gotta listen to this guy because i remember one of the ones he was telling me to listen to was um was earl nightingale that was kind of his guy so i started listening to earl nightingale earl nightingale was was dope too um so we just kind of start trading guys and i put him on with jim rome and um and so that would that was really Um, George Zelicky, that's my guy Okay. George Zelicky, like George Zelicky really helped me through a lot George Zelicky used to say stuff like if you want a lot out of life you gotta be prepared to go through a. you gotta be prepared to go through a lot in life he was like, nowhere can you do a little and get a lot he's like, it just don't happen like that, he was like, you literally gotta be prepared to go through the dumpster it's gonna be stinky, nasty and dirty but if you're willing to go through the dumpster, it's real nice when you come out.
0: <laughs> my sister just told me something similar to that last night. She said, ain't no free lunch. Nah. <laughs> she said, ain't no free lunch. If you want a, if you want something that bad, you got to be willing to go through everything that come with it. Like, you may not get it immediately. You know, you may not get that, that surprise immediately, but eventually you're going to get it. Because I was telling her about when I lost my job earlier this year. And she was like, you were comfortable but they didn't want you there anyway, and they knew that once you slipped up, they was gonna get rid of you, and you should have been prepared for that. She, I was like, I never looked at it like that. Like, I, why would I have been prepared? Like, I was, I was doing my job. She was like, Yeah, nah, ain't no free lunch. They was waiting. Like, they had something in store for you, and you wouldn't try and comply, so they got you up out of there. But I, I feel what you're saying on that. Um, definitely you, the personal. You, listen,
1: you listening? You you where I what I come to understand is, you think the job fired you. Uh you yeah. fired yourself. How? Because you don't want that job. What you want is to do this, and you want to do those other things. So how can you do that there? The universe said, "Your wish is your command." You want to do that other <laughs> stuff. So let me help you do that other stuff. Would you be doing this right now if you still had that job? No. Nah, I wouldn't
0: start my business. You wouldn't. I told I told everybody that the things that I've been able to do since I've not had to worry about going into work. Are phenomenal, uh, and it's nothing short of amazing. Like I feel like God really, you know, stepped in and was like, "Yeah, here you go. You wanted it, <laughs> like this is what you gotta have to do it." Like, and I was like, "All right, cool."
1: He's all like, "That's why I said you got to be careful what you ask for." You you've been saying, you know that? what I'm saying, because you fight you wanted to do that. I, fight, I I gotta let go from my job. I realized that it was me because I remember when I was I wanted to do some other things. Like, man, I, I like I can't I. I don't want to do this. Forever. Like I want, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I remember when I start realizing what I wanted to do. And I remember when I realized I don't want to be here no more. So when I start saying, I don't want to be here no more, the universe or well, God was like, okay, I got you. And boom. let me get you up out of there. So you can do what you say you want to do. <laughs> but now you got to do what you say you want to do. But, but that's what happens is like, You could you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been, you would have been comfortable. You would have been doing your thing. Same thing that happened with me, like to go full-time doing my things. Like a pandemic happened. Like the universe used the pandemic for me because I was making good money and I kind of kept one foot in and was still trying to do this stuff like that. You know what I mean? I always talked about it. And I was like, and I would say, I literally said, I literally said the year before, all right, around my birthday, I want to be done. I'm I'm going like go full-time around my birthday.
0: And the pandemic hit.
1: Well, the ban- the pandemic hit in March. So by my birthday, guess what I said? <laughs> I'm not going back to the job. I'm going to do this full time, like I said. So I literally did exactly what I said. Now, it wasn't how I anticipated it happened. happen. Right. But most of the time, it don't work like how you think it's going to happen.
0: No. Nah, but,
1: but the universe will make it happen where you get exactly what you said it just wasn't how you said it but you get exactly what you said that's why I say you got to be careful what you ask for and I learned these things man just from like you say reading and and personal development and you and you start to put put the pieces together and you start to realize, like yo you know what this is crazy how this how this stuff works. so back at, to him right no, 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 we're good, yeah. we
0: good, you good, yeah, back to him, I mean, well, you guys got the company together after, you know, you he came out of his thing, you, you are a reality thing, you guys get the company together, Wiseman Production, what was the first venture you guys actually did, like the first show enough, like, we're about to do this?
1: So we didn't have nothing until we was fo- we kind of was forced to do something. Because we talked about the things that we want to do. And like I said, we were sharing different guys we was listening to. So that was kind of our thing, how we kept in contact, was just listening and talking about, you know, success and personal growth. And so he was writing books, and he was an author. So he would just talk about, like, you know, he wanted to write. And, you know, eventually, um, you know, he wanted to do a movie. He was talking about, he was like, yo, I'm telling you, I'm... I'm I'm going to be bigger than Tyler Perry like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I'm I, yo, my skills is better than his. And 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 not to down him, Tyler Perry, but he was just confident in himself. And um I remember he wrote his first book and I thought it was dope, right? And then um I remember when he wrote his second book, Life of an Alpha Male, which is actually the movie we filming now, but he wrote his second book Life of an Alpha Male, and when I read that, I was like, "Wow." Like, you really got some skills, yo. Like right, I was right. Really like, and he and I was like, yo, you gonna make it. And I remember him saying to me, he was like, yo, what you mean? I'm gonna make it. He said, if I make it, you make it. Like, yo, like, like we gonna do this. And so I'm just thinking like, yo, that's what's up. This is like the first, he was like, yo, I can see co-ed, like, I see it big as Nike, I see it clear as day. Like, yo, that's hot. He was. I remember he was saying like, yo, I'm telling you, co-ed is hard, yo. He, and like, I never had nobody who was talking about it like I talk about it in genuinely made me feel like they believe in it like me and so it was like it it caught me off guard and I was just like okay yo like like it just made me look at him a little different and um and then wasn't too long after that he called me one day and was just like yo I had a dream that um you know and I was just asking God like why you keep giving me this stuff why you keep putting this stuff in me and you don't allow me to make it happen he said God looked at me like Dummy, you got this person, this, 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 this around you. Make it happen. He said, yo, once I realized that, he said, yo, I called you. He's like, I'm calling Antoine. He called me and was like, yo. He was like, I got a dope idea. Yo, I want to make a movie and I need your help. And, and that was that's, that's how it happened. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And that's how it birthed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so y'all made a movie off of
0: a, 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 a dream and a premonition. He just picked the phone like, yo, I need you, Aunt."
1: Well, I, I think he already had the idea, but like, I guess God was telling him, what you waiting for? Like, why are you trying to get somebody else to do it? You do it. Like, he was trying to get somebody, I think, to pick up his movie or help him. And, and you know, I guess he got to the point where God was like, you make it. Make your own film. And that's when he called me He was like, you know, I'm a resourceful kind of sort of person. So he called me he's like, yo, I want to do I want to do this, that, and the other. I want to do the film. I need your help. And I was like, cool. Let's do it.
0: And so executive producer was never on your radar, but when he called you, you was like, yo, I'm here.
1: Let's go. Let's do it. And that's kind of how it birthed. And, and it's crazy because like I say, it was never something I thought about. It was never like, I never had ideas of doing that. But once he brought me into this world, um, it was another opportunity. I'm a creative person. It was another way for me to be creative. Mm -hmm. And I liked it. I was like, I was like, yo, this is cool. And I, 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 I come to now to love film as right. well. So it's like, yo, I, I, I thank them all the time, man. I was like, yo, like you, you showed me something and now I love it. And so, you know, when we started really doing things, we was like, yo, we got to really um, make a, a production company and, and really got to get all the pieces and everything. We need to really make this. Because what I told him, I said, man, I don't want to do a movie or do something. And it'd be like kind of, you know, like if we going to do it, Let's do it where we create something like the blockbuster films that we love to see. Like, if we're not trying to do it like that. You ain't with it. Yeah, because everything I do, my name attached to it. And I know he's somebody who, about his business too. So I'm like, we got to be on the same accord with that. Like, like we got to, no, he was like, nah, nah, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I want. Like, I want, I'm like, all right. So whatever we got to do to make it like quality. That's what we gotta do. Like we gotta figure it out. Right. And um, and I all all props to him. You know, he bout he bout it. Like he he love what he do and he's serious, and um, he pushes and motivates me because he's so motiva- motivated about, you know, the things that 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 he doing and that we do. You know what I'm saying? It's a breath of fresh air. We we both competitive. He was one of the guys that was one of the nice guys in the neighborhood. He probably was one of the best football players. Next like we we all we go back and forth because he a year older than me, but we both was like one of the, the nice football players in the neighborhood. And um so he always was respected as a ball player. You know what I mean? So I know, you know, how he bring it. You know what I mean? And so this just another opportunity to compete. And even amongst ourselves while we doing things, like it's still sometimes we get out a little competent. I'm a little competitive. So when he do some things, it just it just Fuels me, and vice versa. I'm sure when I do some things, it, it inspires him. Like we inspire each other. So that's my guy, man. But he, yeah, he, 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 he's a real talented individual, man. And and far as film, we we got some serious things in the in the pipe. That's going, yeah, we gonna shake up the world. So
0: y'all got your first film out. Walking my shoes. Walking my shoes, and you guys are currently finishing up uh your second film
1: our second feature film and this one is called life of an alpha male all
0: right so that's where we at with um wise let's let's go ahead and talk about uh the co-ed, co-ed? The pulse of sports yeah <laughs> let's talk about that i i remember um when you first start rocking and i'm like what is this and you're like well, "It's my brain i'm like Mm, okay all right (laughs) but you have really uh like the the time and attention and detail you take the quality of the, the material like you won't get anything made like you said you're really like your name is attached to this like you're not getting anything made that is anything less of the highest quality fabrics the highest quality material like it has to be what inspired you to start uh, a matter of fact an athletic apparel brand like you said knowing you're going into the industry with juggernauts that have like a good portion of it the Under Armors, the Nikes the Adidas
1: Um. first of all through my personal development I realized that there is no competition right? they not me and what I start realizing anyway is that I'm the authentic I'm the most authentic person in that field anyway because a lot of stuff they do, they copying off of what we do. You know what I'm saying? They get people to bring in the designer, but they all the the whole look and the whole vibe come from our culture, right? So everything I've done, I told you when I was younger, my, my style was skater, um, urban skater prep. I created my own style. So I'm gonna have my own style of athletic apparel. And it's gonna be authentic. It's gonna be Antoine's vibe and it's gonna be our culture is is real like i'm not trying to do what i think they doing i'm doing what i do and i'm doing what i know we do you know what i'm saying and it's going to reflect like so i already know that they're going to be trying to bite everything i come up with because it's authentic i'm not trying to be like them you know what i'm saying they're right. always going to try to be like me and I promise you, when I said I, I had the whole city wearing everything that I was wearing, the Abercrombie and that whole little look, I had, I had the whole city doing that. You know what I'm saying? And I remember when I created some stuff, Zorb had um, a brand called American Sportsman. And I remember I made some wife beaters um, with the American Sportsman um, logo and stuff with his brand. And, uh, and I remember when I got, like, I had patches from, I had, I had patches from, like, Girl Scouts, uh, Boy Scouts. I had patches from, like, Air Force, the Army. This back when, um, uh, what was that uh, uh, What was that place called? Um, Sunny Surplus and, and things like that, where you could get, like, all of these kind of different patches from, from like, um, military and so. And I had all of this stuff on it, and I had numbers and certain things. So I remember I went into downtown locker room one day, and this was, like, a year later. I went into downtown locker room and I, and it was one of those urban brands who had a shirt that had my same patches on it, and I was like, "Yo, they stole my idea." And the reason why I know they stole my idea is because the pat the particular patches that I had, like you, they got a it's it's so many patches that you can get from military and boy scouts and you know you get they get a, they got a patch for for uh, you know, planting grass seeds or, right. you know, there's so many kind of different patches, but they used the same patches that I had on mine, and I was like, "Yo, they stole my stuff." But deep down inside, what that told me is, "You got what it takes." Right. It's other people that will bite your stuff, so that kind of like helped me. You know, and, and 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 I ain't really getting too much. To, I took some pictures, and I remember showing people, but I was like, "Yo, like, like." I can do this. Like, people will bite my style. People like my style. So that was one of the things that kind of let me know I could do it. But but even still, like I say, with Nike and stuff, um, I, I really wanted – I started Athletic Apparel because I love sports. Right. Like, you know, football is my, my sweetheart. Football is my first love. I love that. But I love basketball. I love ping pong. I love soccer, baseball. I, lo- I love sports. Like, you know what I mean? I'm probably – Better than the average person in every single sport there is. You know what I mean? And all I do, if you let you give me a little bit of time to actually, like, perfect my craft, you know what I mean? I'm going to be good. But that's just, that's just because I'm an athlete. And most athletes can say the same thing. Right? Most athletes can say the same You're
0: thing. You're not
1: that good in every sport. <laughs> I mean, so w- what I'm going to say is, I say I'm probably better than the average person, right? So I'm going to just say, you name a sport, whatever it is, we go out there. This is on a record now, so everybody can see it, because I'm a competitive person. <laughs> this is on the record now, unless he edit this out. Nope. <laughs> Whatever sport he choose, we can do, and I'm a, I will report back to y'all and let y'all know who wins. <laughs> he gets the pick. We can do five, and I bet you four, I win four out of five of them. So, yeah. so that's on record, y'all. I'm,
0: re- I'm retired. I coach now. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 you yeah, know. yeah me too. That was, <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. me too. Nah, my guys tried to get me to come out and play some flag football, but I told them, I said, look, I come out and coach y'all. I don't yeah, know about exactly. running. <laughs> I said, well, you risk too much injury now. I said, I got to worry about, you know, jam fingers, tweaking no. the ankle or knee. I'm with you. I retired, I retired too. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I got,
1: a friendly, a little friendly thing. Little friendly, friendly little
0: yeah, bump, yeah, little yeah, little yeah, throw
1: thrown pass. Yeah, nothing super competitive. <laughs> nah. but I went But I went out on top, I think we went out and with a championship, you know, on the flag So, you yeah, know, I mean I when I play we win. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I mean. I'm a winner. And um so this Nike in there, you know what I mean?
0: So <laughs> hey, you know. So Coed he's a winner already. He already said he declared it. he's already a winner.
1: Coed will be the premier international athletic apparel provider in the world. And you heard it first here on
0: the Audacity of This Guy podcast. Make sure y'all remember that. But his his, his, his apparel is definitely fire. Like, I, I can't can't say you enough. It's definitely fire. And I and I love the actual material. Like, even the T-shirts, I was actually surprised. Like, I've had the T-shirt now for, like, a, a good couple of months, and I've washed it quite a few times. It didn't lose its shape. It still feels just like it did when I first got it. Sweat pants, the same. You know, it's, it's, definitely
1: I like it. Man, I'd be up hours... Uh, researching different pieces and, 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 and the manufacturers, and you know I spend <laughs> a lot of money on samples that you know to make sure they the quality they supposed to be, and if they not, then you know they don't make the cut. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna do the work. I'm gonna do the work. So by the time it comes out and it's ready for sale, um, you can best believe it's been tested, and uh, you're gonna get a good quality product. I, that, like that's what I'm about. Like I, um, if if it wasn't that way, then I wouldn't be doing it. Um, like we said before, my name attached, my name mean too much, and that's just what I'm about, man. I'm, I'm, you know, the integrity is there. Like Coed is is a company that's just built on integrity. You know, we're we gonna give you the best quality that we can give. You know what I mean? And um, and we always working to get better. So. So we are gonna
0: finish it up with you know what do you see yourself doing in the next five years you know with your your companies uh, that you have now what do you what do you see your future as like what do you what do you what are your goals
1: um man there's so many I'm just excited about the present I'm excited about it right now it's so 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 often uh, people all they keep doing is looking towards the future and they keep looking towards where they want to go and they never really get to um, enjoy the present, the now. And this is really all you got. Like, um, I I know that when, 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 when when they call it, when the big bucks really start rolling in and, and, and and financially you in a place where you, you and your family and your and your kids and your kids' kids is good. These are the times that you're going to be looking back. Like, remember when we started? Remember when the early days? Remember when we had that office? Remember when uh, uh, BBS was next door and I was in here? and Remember down when you came, you set up the lights and we did the first audition. We, did, you know, we did the first audacity. Service. So it's like being in, in in just in the in the in the in the present moment, enjoying the process. Cause that's really what it is. It's a process. And when you submit and enjoy the process, that's, it's just, it's so much fun to me, right? This, like, I remember we talking before about all the different things I did. All of those things was really to find what it is. I truly love. And, uh, and I remember through my learning about success and all of these things, that was one of the things that they, they talked about was, um, what do you love? And they said, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life, right? And I was trying to figure out what I love because at that point, at that process, you know, I lost my job and I started a, um, a, a, land, a landscaping business, a lawn care landscaping business. And it was cool. Um, it, was, it, was, it was paying what I needed to pay, you know. It was work. It was work. But at the same time, it allowed me to really think and really come up with what I came up with. And that's when that was when I really figured out that, you know what, I wanted to do co-ed. Because I figured out like I wanted to do something in sports. I realized sports was my love. That's what I love doing. But I didn't want to be a coach and I had to figure out like what, what can I do in sport to create an income. And that's when I that's how I figured out, you know, co-ed. And I was like, man, you know what? Why can't I be uh, a Nike, a Adidas, a know or something like that? Because when I started researching guys who started the businesses, their story was just like mine. They were ex college athletes who wanted to create an income within sports, right? That's my story. they ain't no different. So I'm like, I definitely could do that. That actually inspired me even more because I was like, they ain't no different from me. Right, right. You know, so. That was kind of how it went and um, and just like far as the future man co-ed is so the future of co-ed is so bright um, um, like each step like every 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 day is a new step every month is a new step every season from spring to summer is like a new step like this year we've done so many things um, this year' is currently so far I'm so excited about where co-ed is at and where it's going the spring launch the Springs that's coming in in the next few weeks for spring. Like, I can't wait to launch this stuff. We're gonna have some new models, new people looking good and the things. For the ladies, I mean, we're gonna knock your socks off. I'm, I can't wait till y'all see that stuff. The guys, when I tell you I got you, I got you. Like, you know, not only are you gonna be sharp looking good, but you're gonna feel good. Like, you're gonna be in the gym or you can be out running or biking and everybody gonna be like, yo, that's hot, but you get that. Like, like, I'm gonna be the guy that, that make people want to have people asking you where you get that from. And, uh, you know, so you're going to get cool points just for having co-ed on. But that's where we're going, man. And, you know, like we're going to get to the point where we outfitting high schools and colleges. And the goal is the one day to be, you know, to be the major provider for a lot of the um, professional teams. Um, I can't wait. One of my goals, I, I, I can't wait to the day where you're going to see co-ed at the half or you're going to see um, co-ed sponsoring the, the Super Bowl or something like that. Uh, you know what I mean? But that's, that's where we're going to eventually go. And um, and I'm just excited, you know. If we flip it to the other one, like I'm so excited about just what's coming up this year with Wiseman production because this film, Life of an Alpha Male, ladies, y'all gonna go crazy. And and I'm just wanna say for um for the guys, it's somebody that like you the, the alpha male story is finally gonna be told and it's gonna be fun to watch. Um it's a it's a it's a good, good, good story. It's entertaining sexy, erotic, it's fun, um, and it's coming out summer 21. It's coming out this summer, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a game changer, y'all. Um, and we just got so many scripts. Um, we got so many scripts, so we're not going to stop with Wiseman Productions. We're just going to be pumping out film, and eventually you're you going to see us on, you gonna see us on y- your favorite channel. You know, we're going to be streaming on your famous uh, whatever source you like to stream from. We're going to be on that. So we're going to be a household name real soon. You're going to love everything that we put out. Just trust me.
0: No doubt. No doubt. So got, got a bright, bright, bright future, man. I really appreciate you for um, definitely taking out some some time out of your busy schedule. I, I really do appreciate it. I can't say enough that, you know, you were able to um, meet with me. You know, we came to your office and we get this thing done what kind of advice would you give to that young person who's really just getting started? You know, they're really in that infancy stage as far as just growth and, and, development. And I'm not saying just in entrepreneurship, but just in life, like they really just getting to that point where they're starting to trying to figure out who they are, what they're going to be. What would you give them as a, a piece of advice to, to help them? You know, like you say, if you knew, you know, what you knew up uh, now you know, when you had that fifty thousand sitting in the bank and you just, you know, blew all of it, you know, what kind of advice would you give to that person to help them get ten steps ahead? Personal
1: development. Personal development is key. Like you, you have to, you have to fall in love with um, developing yourself as a person um, because you'll learn so much. You'll learn everything, anything you need to know. Um, you'll attract, but you got to be looking for it. You know what I'm saying? Like the only way to get the only way to get the things that you need. Um, I read this book called The Alchemist, and uh, in The Alchemist, one of the, the kind of the things was that you got to be aware to see the omens. But if you're not developing yourself, you're not even gonna know what you're supposed to be looking for. The things that you want gonna be crossing your path, and you don't even realize that you're supposed to be. That's what you. That's what you need right there. So the main thing in anything you are doing is belief like you have to believe in what you want. You have to believe in what it is you're doing. It should be something that you love cuz you should you should you shouldn't mind staying up all night. You shouldn't mind getting up early, going to bed late like if you love it, right? And and you got to have something that you believe in. You got to believe that you can really do it. Without belief, when you start having some obstacles or some some shortcomings, you'll quit if you don't really believe. But if you really believe you can do it and know that it's going to happen to you, you'll stick it out through whatever you need to go through. Because all of those things are really just building you into the person you need to be to be able to have what you want. Like, that's the thing. You, you, you Like, the no's and the obstacles and the setbacks, like, they got to happen. That's part of it. Like, that's God's way of training you to be the person that you want to be so you can be the person that can handle what you say you want right you know what i mean but but it it all stems from the belief you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in your goals and and whatever it is you want enough to be able to handle those things man
0: thank you appreciate that uh so make sure y'all work on that personal development get you a mentor and just feed your mind
1: the things that you want and you want to attract man Awesome, Look at this awesome. guy right here, man. This is evidence in the making. Yeah, I remember him talking about. It. I remember him showing me his little diagram he made on his tablet or <laughs> or iPad, and um and just to see the steps and it come around. And I and, and and I remember when he was. I remember when he was scared to uh, to jump off the cliff. You know, he was had the ideas, but he wasn't he wasn't trying to make it happen. Like you can have the best ideas in the world, but until you start taking action. It's nothing and if you're gonna take action take massive action what's the difference if they don't they don't you know the same it takes the same amount of energy to think big and to think small
0: we he just he just we just, we just was speaking about this so how can the people get in touch with you how can they reassure you how can they get some co ed apparel
1: man <laughs> let me tell you like this if you got a smartphone you got an ipad you got a, a desktop you got a computer whatever go to www.coedpulse.com. That's the website, www.coedpulse.com. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram. I think my Instagram, my personal is Antoine.Chambers. The um, coeds is I am coed. Yeah, so that's at I am coed. That's coed's um, Instagram page. And Wiseman Production is at Wiseman Productions. Yep. And on Facebook, this is my name, Antoine Chambers, or Co-Ed Brand.
0: So where can they find out when the movies are releasing? Is there a website for Wiseman Productions?
1: So it's not a website for Wiseman Productions, but um, um, my partner has uh, a Dr. Ouch website where he has the books, and I'm sure he'll release it on there. But on, on all our social media platforms, when, when the movies and dates and all that stuff, we're going to blast it on all our social media platforms. So, if you, if you like I say, on IG Wiseman Productions, um, on Facebook, it's Antoine Chambers, um, Co-Ed Brand. Um, I'm sorry, David, was it David Lloyd Marcus? That's where we're going to be posting um, all the information on Life of an Alpha Male. Coming soon, summer 2021. All right, man. Man, that does it. I am super
0: uh, pumped because... This guy is one of my family friends, one of my good friends. Uh, like he said, we've been knowing each other for some time. Like He brought me into the business world and, and opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I'm just happy that uh, 2021 is definitely brighter than what, what 2020 was. And we're trying to affect the masses. You know, I say this at the end of every show. So if you like what you heard, you gain something from what you heard, like, comment, subscribe to my channel, Definitely coming out with more content. Definitely going to be more interesting people. The audacity,
1: and yes, the audacity. Make sure, you, man. Make sure y'all follow, like, share. Uh, just tune in, man. Like, like he doing big things. I'm excited. I'm one of his biggest fans. I'm following everything and make sure I'm so proud of him. He talked about I knew him for a long time. Yeah, I used to give him nuggies and all of that stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Back when he was annoying and just always up and staring in your face. We ain't even going to talk about how I used to sit on the couch in his house. That's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. man. We, yeah, we're going to definitely get into that yeah. one of these times. But, um, yeah, this is the guy <laughs> right here, man. He's doing big things. I'm so proud of him. This day is, is is a big day in the making. I'm just so happy and proud to be here, and I'm proud of you, man. If you don't ever hear me say anything, I'm super proud of you.
0: Thank you, man. It means so much to, to watch, you know, um, He's like a big brother. To watch a big brother uh, go and fulfill his passion, and then for him to reach back and come back and tell you you can do you know everything that you dreamt of doing. So I really appreciate him from you know being there, being a listener to bounce some ideas off of, and for giving me that guidance and that that help because he's already in uh, media with his Wiseman Production. So he's definitely been uh, an integral part in helping me get my uh, media company off the ground. So thank you guys. Be blessed and we out of here.
1: I love it though. You know it. (laughs)